0: You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, a conversation between audience and artists intended to demystify the classical music and opera art form. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's available via Spotify and Audioboom. That way, you'll hear about the latest podcasts as they become available. Be sure to follow Thoroughly Good on Twitter or on Facebook, and you'll find the blog at thoroughlygood.me. Sixty-six, a 40-odd-minute discussion about some of the music of Lully features conductor and harpsichordist Christophe Rousseau. It was recorded in a Parisian cafe with waiters in aprons and coffee served in modest earthenware jugs. And it is, to date, possibly the nerdiest conversation ever in the Thoroughly Good classical music podcast series. Not that there's any shame in that, of course. Far from it. I love looking under the bonnet. I'm just conscious that maybe some people might listen to what follows and thinks, what the actual, are they talking about? Christophe Russo directed his period instrument band, Les Tala Lariques, in a performance of Lully's opera Isis at the Opera Royale at the Palace of Versailles on Tuesday the 10th of December, 2019. Lully wrote 14 operas between 1673 and 1687 to order for his employer, Louis XIV. In addition to dance, sacred and theater music, His isn't my go-to music, nor the idea necessarily of an opera that runs to nearly three hours where the start time was 8pm and my bed for the night was 45 minutes away by bus. I'm certainly not complaining, don't misunderstand me. I sat and watched and experienced my first opera by Lully sat on a padded chair in jeans and a cheap jacket with a ringed notebook on my lap, taking copious notes about the things that piqued my interest on this first listen, so that when I met Christoph in the morning I could cross-question him, and save for one or two moments when I unwittingly made him feel a little uncomfortable i think i passed off my lack of knowledge reasonably well be sure to stick around for the exchange about the difference between french and english christmas music towards the end of this episode for a synopsis of the opera be sure to follow the link in the show notes
1: I'm Christophe Rousset. I'm harpsichordist and uh, conductor of my own group, uh, Les Talents Lyriques.
0: Uh, and what were you doing last night? I mean, I know what you were doing last night, but I need you for the record to tell me.
1: I was conducting uh, Lully Opera uh, called uh, Isis uh, with Les Talents Lyriques and uh, a few soloists and the Chœur de Chambre um, de Namur in uh, Versailles, in the opera house of the castle.
0: Am I right in thinking that when that work was first written, it was first performed in that in that theatre?
1: No. no, this theatre uh, dates from uh, 1770, so it's much later. It's about one century later. Uh, it has been created in Saint Germain en Laye, which was uh, another castle of uh, of the king.
0: Um, tell me about the the opera house, though, because there's something I understood that it had laid undiscovered for about 200 years or not used for 200 years to the sort of research
1: let's it. let's say it has been it has been yes uh, not used and it was it was just a part of the of the, of the museum and then they decided to uh, just renew it well renew that's to say put back the machinery and uh, and the how it was in the 18th century in working conditions, and now they can really make shows and uh, and uh, have a, have a, a season.
0: I was struck by the acoustic; it, it seemed very generous and very supportive. Is that is that how it, how it is for you? on studies? Well,
1: uh, my first impression when I got to this theatre was that it was actually drier than I thought. But uh, we've performed the same piece in Paris in Théâtre des Champs-Elysées and. Uh, and that was much drier than uh, than uh, than is It's all wooden, so uh, it's like like a violin somehow. It really helps the sound and uh, and makes it more beautiful.
0: I uh, this was the first time that I had heard any lully. Okay. From my first exposure to lully, and as you can see, I wrote copious notes, uh, which I'm not going to go through line by line because obviously it would take too long. But um, why is it that you love about his music? because I well, get the impression from watching you conduct that you love it
1: yes, I love about everything in this music, so i li- I like the the general tone which is which is noble and uh, and um, grand and uh, and uh, it's obviously a propaganda piece uh, you understand that from the prologue yeah. uh, with the trumpets and uh, louis is the best king ever uh, uh, so it's <laughs> yeah. it's about this, prologue this and, uh, absolutely and it's répétons-le fois 100 100 times we repeat that yeah. he is the best he's yeah. beautiful but, and Fun. so that's that's really uh,
0: thank you very
1: typical very typical of uh, of uh, Lully, Lully production Subjects are chosen and approved by the king. Uh, Louis was was very active in in, uh, in, in music field. Let's say he was he was a, a good connaisseur and he he chose his musicians around him, and uh, so he knew what he liked. And obviously, uh, Louis created the French opera. Uh, <clears throat> Uniting a few uh, pre-existing elements like air de cour, the choruses in the motets, uh, the recits with the with the, just a lute, um, the dances, of course, and um, and uh, he just puts that together with the very good librettists, and um, and that makes the French tragédie lyrique for the first time. So. Uh, and almost every year he would produce another piece a, a new piece and um, and what strikes me is that that um, on every every single piece he changes the form the solutions the uh, the, the the general tone of uh, of the piece. So this one is called Tragedy Lyrique, but it's so amusing, I think. Uh, so there, there are so many comic moments, even the tragic moments are comic in a way, and the tortures uh, are so so lovely, uh, so so witty.
0: I'm uh, I'm interested in the prologue, given the propaganda element to it. Does that make yes. the first? Does that make the prologue sort of slightly? Slightly, prob- well, not problematic, but a bit of a pain to go through. I mean, is it is it related to, to what else is going Absolutely on? Absolutely not. Right. So, so, is that something that you many, just have to sort of plough through before yeah, you get well, onto the meat of the work? Yes,
1: but many, many people would like to have the prologue cut, but but actually, it's still the piece, uh, and uh, and uh, it's a way to get into uh, this kind of music. So it's, it's
0: joyful, it's uh, very positive all the time, the prologue. It made, me, it made me think, actually, listening to it, that it was, it was almost like one long, extended national anthem. Yes. Really? I mean, it's an extremely like long that. one. Something um, like that. And as you say, a lot of repetition. And, yes, but it absolutely. didn't seem musically, materially, <laughs> it didn't. I wasn't sort of thinking. I need this to move on now. I mean, it was still very engaging and very sort of compelling.
1: absolutely, and somehow it prepares you to <laughs> listen to uh, recits and less yeah. recits and uh, and the the rest the rest of the piece. But no, I personally I love them, but uh, but I can understand that people would cut them, especially on uh, scenic versions. Yes.
0: Um. The other thing that I was really struck by and now I do a little bit of research about Lily I I wonder whether this is why uh, it felt as though there were a lot of Dance movements. There was a lot of sort of recit drew the store uh, drove the story on. Hmm. Uh, arias sort of provided color or further context, and then interspersed between each were extended dance movements as a sort of a contrast. Am I? I wonder whether I'm recalling some of my teenage studies. Is that is that right? Yes. Have I got that and right? Uh, that in every act you have a divertissement.
1: That's to oh, say, you okay, have the right. action. The, then you have the divertissement, so it's related or not really to the, to the action. And, uh, and so, uh, I don't know, uh, in the first act Jupiter comes on, on, on Earth and uh, the choir celebrates the arri- arrival of, uh, of uh, Jupiter and you have dancers of gods of uh, divinities or whatever is that because he
0: came from a dance background because he was a dancer or is it just that there was a requirement to provide entertainment or a range of entertainment the the
1: idea is to have a total art on stage that's really the the Greek uh, dream of uh, having everything together so uh so that's, that's what uh, what's the dream was also in Florence when we, they recreated opera in the beginning of the uh, 17th century. So, to, to recreate the Greek drama, that's to say, the play, the choir, and the dancers. So, that's, that's the concept. The dance was very active in France. It, it always has been the French specia- speciality. Even even Verdi or Wagner, when they wrote for Paris Opera, they had to include a ballet. So so France is the is the country of dance, I guess.
0: Uh, I was also struck by how. <clears throat> um, how, and I don't know whether I get this right so forgive me if I make any errors but it struck me that he takes the text and uses the text as a starting point for the material in the music and so there was some quite clear um, uh, use of melodic intervals so melodic resolutions at the end of the phrases and and also like the trembling thing the shivering in the chorus that's, that's that was that was stunning Il y a pas de douche le de trop nous la pas que j'ai une
1: Yeah, well, that's that's unique. That's the, the example. So he has he has had this idea for that, that choir of uh, of uh, of uh, called and uh, and uh, so Purcell takes the idea in uh, in King Arthur. But, uh, but but Lully was first. Lully was I don't first. know my dates.
0: So I can't remember my dates.
1: Lully was first, and and uh, obviously uh, Purcell knew a lot about about Lully's opera. But um, but um, uh, this is a special effect for that specific opera. It never comes back in his production.
0: I realise I'm now trying to get you to be a musicologist, and I'm sorry if that's not what you do, Uh, but do you know where that comes from? Because it seemed so striking, a technique that took me by surprise, which revealed the assumptions that I hold about Lily. probably, uh, that I wondered whether that made him (coughs) innovative doing that, or whether that was derived from some other thing. I I think he
1: really invented that, uh, that effect, and he invented so many things so so he was he was very creative and that's what i like first in his music but but also uh, what i like very much in this music is the the ductility ductility is it you 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 can make so many things. Okay, the flexibility. Flexibility. You can do anything with it. It's a little like Monteverdi material. That's to say, you have a text, beautiful text, you have a very simple recit, and you just can... Uh, put all the affects you want, the passions, uh, the, the the intentions, dramatic intentions. And when I do those pieces in concert version, I am the dramaturg of the of the, the thing. So so I'm 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 really enjoying myself quite a lot because because really allows you really. A, a large, large range of uh, of possibilities.
0: Uh, while you drink your, while you pour your tea, and I pour my coffee, um, what direction do you get from Lully, then? <laughs> why have you smiled? <laughs> why have you smiled in that way? I'm not trying to catch you out. <laughs> I'm d- I'm d- <laughs> Although I re- now I realise why you're smiling, um, I just wonder how much. Again, it's an assumption. I assume that all because. Because nineteenth, twentieth-century composers mark everything, yes, especially Bruckner. Uh, I wonder whether it's the reverse is true. Because I've not seen scores. So exactly. I no, I no exactly.
1: Idea. There are some so few indications, even in the instruments you are supposed to use. So, so you you invent a lot. Right. In in this in this music, so you you decide to put I don't know a lute at that point or a, a gamba, uh, at that uh, other spot, and uh, and uh, maybe you add the the recorders for that dance, or some some so, drums or triangles. Does that triangle. mean that everybody
0: is playing from S- essentially the same score?
1: Yes, the score is published, right? And uh, and uh, from that you you uh, make your own version, let's say. Uh, but but uh, but it's also. Somehow, very precise. Uh, it's uh, it's um, beautifully written. The harmonies are incredible. The the the, 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 the structure of the orchestra is, is special because it's it's not the Italian uh, version of uh, of the string uh, position. I, I mean, disposition. You have just one line of violins. You have three lines of violas. And then the bass, right. with no double bass, right. so it's a, it's it has a very specific sound. It's very rich, uh, deep, and um, and um, yes, it, it gives it gives a, a very special special sound. i <laughs> Then, then he uses uh, specific instruments like trumpets, it's not always the case in, uh, in his operas, uh, he uses um, a bagpipe for the first time in, in, in opera and history.
0: stipulated that would be stipulated, that would be, yes. that would be for those particular yes. moments where yes. the bagpipe was used, that's marked.
1: Absolutely. You have the the, the plaint of a, of a pan with a, with a, the recorders and it's yes. written recorders. Uh, so so there are spots where the instruments are specifically indicated. This,
0: this will sound quite detailed, and I'm sorry, but I love the detail. What what surprised me was <coughs> the use of recorders. I assumed in order to. Uh, boost or support the strings they, they seem to be the, in those moments when the recorders were used uh, unless they had a, uh, a separate melody or a counter melody it struck me that the recorders were there to, to beef up the string because well, they doubled the string yes but it's I would say
1: I would say more color them just just put some you know Smooth out the edges exactly, right. and the, the same with the the, the, the yeah. oboes. They are they have moments where they are absolutely alone and it's written oboes, but mostly they are doubling the the violins and they just give a silvery sound to the violins.
0: That make, made me think that Lully was an orchestrator. It was. Well, he was from not, the beginning of an orchestra. Yes, exactly.
1: That's that's the the beginning of it. The the really. Yes the one is Rameau. Rameau is very precise with the instruments and uh, and he creates really a, a very very specific Rameau sound.
0: And Rameau, Rameau was um writing when?
1: About 60 years later.
0: So is there um see this is bad for podcasts we're both taking a drink at exactly at the same time um I should have thought about that. Uh, <laughs> Are you aware of any sort of documentation around a shift in reaction to that? Because my, like, if you if all instrumentalists or essentially all instrumentalists are, uh, are playing from the same score, then if a if a composer comes along and starts stipulating who is playing what where, then actually the player no longer has that, or the director no longer has that control. Is there was that a was that a shift in sort of. Was that something that people just accepted? I don't, I don't
1: know. Well, it it is a shift, but but uh, but it's just just changes your position as a as a performer, and it's fine. I mean, I, I, I have no problem not to change anything in Rameau and uh, and invent in in Monteverdi or in Lully. Um, <clears throat> it's it's just a it's performance just a practice. Yeah. Okay. But, what would we
0: hear if we if we shifted from Lully to Rameau? What what would be the striking differences? Do you
1: think Ramo is, is much more precise, and it's he's so precise that he somehow <clears throat> blocks the music more, and uh, and he loses the freedom you can feel in uh, in Lully. Lully gives you space, and and that's what I like in this music. I don't I don't say that I dislike Ramo. I love Rameau, but but uh, Lully just gives you this this wonderful space.
0: I was also struck by those moments where there were um, dramatic dynamic contrasts, because at that point, when I heard when I heard the chorus, for example, and I can't remember exactly where right now, because otherwise I'd be looking at my notebook and that'd be very rude. Uh, but uh, they were singing loud and then suddenly in the same phrase they were singing quietly and that was almost almost the first time that I'd heard it throughout the entire evening Uh, which again made me think there is a a clear direction there that there needs to be dynamic contrast Was that him or was that you? Uh, It was
1: probably me but but there are are in, in this piece Double choruses, yeah. and uh, and you have you have those effects also, and you have perhaps that was the echo.
0: Yes, okay, yeah, of course, yes, yeah. that the was the yes. echo. Yeah. So it, it
1: was meant like that, and that was that was Lully's uh, idea. So he makes the the, the 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 choir sing without the the accompaniment of of the orchestra. So it's a cappella. And uh, and uh, and makes the echo uh, just like this. Uh, there were and two other
0: uh, there were two other striking moments that um, really touched me. The nymphs duet. Yes. The two yes. Uh, yes. people from the chorus yeah. who yeah. came from the stage, yeah. uh, which was incredibly sweet. In fact, there were three striking moments. That one, the nymphs duet, uh, which is a, a very sweet sort of excursion. Mm. <laughs> I'm So, was it the plate with the three three men? No, No, there was Jupiter's, uh, no, Pan's Lament, which was almost like Purcell. I realised Purcell was after, but I heard Purcell there. Yes,
1: with the the chromatic bass. Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. And
1: then transforming in three voices singing together. That's that's a fantastic moment, yeah. and maybe it's it's uh, uh, we should point out that's uh, that's that in that moment you have an opera in the opera, yes, and that's an, another invention of Lully uh, So so uh, it's it's a little scene played in the opera to m- make Argos asleep, and uh, and. Um, so it's a, it's a completely separate action. It's, it has nothing to do with the drama. Uh,
0: you pour more tea while I think of the the last observation. That oh yeah, my god, a lot of percussion, loads of really exciting percussion. Mm-hmm. Um, was he fascinated by that? I mean, there's thunder sheets and, and this is and, and a field.
1: This, this is. is. Um. This is a, a field of uh, of invention. so that's to say to have percussion with the trumpets so that's written out in the score right and then you know that he was using uh, bells or uh, triangle or, or tambourine or whatever but, that really took but right it's prize. not it's not specifically written so it's a field of invention for the per- percussionists okay. and uh, and obviously when when we are talking about the forge in the fourth act yeah. We invented this uh, play of of, uh, xylophone, or what what was it? But uh, but it's it's just a fantastic um, field of invention. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Well done,
0: you. Uh, And and the final thing was at the beginning of an act, where people are talking about, where the men are singing about being in the country or something. Uh, and I can't can't remember what act, what the beginning it was, what beginning it was. But it had a sort of a bucolic, pastoral feel. It It was an oboe solo. there was something about it that made me think of Beethoven. About? Uh, it made me think of Beethoven, and I can't remember where it was. Uh, oh, here we go. It was a shepherd's, The yeah. shepherd's introduction. Yeah. And it sounded pastoral. Yes. Is that how you hear it from the score? Because it was really quite striking. It is Lully. <laughs> yeah. It is okay.
1: Lully. Okay. Completely. <coughs> Uh, and it's um, yes, it, it's it's the his way to create atmospheres and uh, and create contrasts. Uh, so so you, so you you have really very very uh, contrasted uh, atmospheres. And, uh, and
0: I suppose more. what I'm saying is that I wasn't what the underlying assumption is is that I wasn't expecting it to be quite so um, colorful. Yeah, exactly. I didn't expect to. To be able to recognise different things and certainly in melodic phrases, the mm. way in which you know the key message in the sentence is you know, a bit like rhetoric. It's it's left right until the end when are mm. talking about wisdom or youth or love. I mean, mm. there's a lot of inevitably a lot of talking about love. But that that most important statement is left at the end of the sentence, and then that is reflected in the shape of the melodic phrase underneath. Mm. Uh, and I was really surprised by how much I could pick out, considering it was a first listen. Um, so, it feels a little bit like I'm not interviewing you now. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, uh, that's that's uh, just proves that
1: Lully is uh, very a direct, clever.
0: Yeah, it's a, there's a directness to his writing. That's, I suppose that's what I'm saying. I should stop talking about Lully now. I should ask you about Wigmore Hall. Mm-hmm. What are you doing in the Wigmore Hall, please?
1: We are doing a, a whole Christmas program. Uh, it, with uh, the with, uh, just uh, Marc-Antoine Charpentier music so it's, uh, it's a program with three male voices haute uh, contre, taille and bass and the viols so the treble viols and the bass viol and myself on the harpsichord and organ and um, it's, so it's a chamber group uh, but the, the power of, uh, of Charpentier is, is incredible. So, Charpentier was mostly a church music composer. Uh, he, was, he was a chapel master here in the Saint-Chapelle in Paris, and uh, he would compose a lot, lot of motets and masses and, uh, and oratorios and church music in general. And this form with three male voices, to me, is a jewel. I mean, it's, it's so so beautiful the mixture of the three three male voices. You had that in uh, in uh, in Lily, but this is really a specifically French mixture, let's say. So. Um, so it's about uh, yes, it's about Christmas time. So it's sometimes about the Virgin, sometimes about the Nativity, but uh, but it's uh, it's it's all uh, about sometimes shepherds and uh, Christmas carols, French ones, <laughs> right, of what course. The,
0: what, what, what denotes a French Christmas carol? Can you give me a description of that? Oh, they
1: are they are very very naive uh, kind of uh, songs, right? And uh, those songs have been. Uh, uh, let's say uh, harmonized by by uh, Charpentier in a very sophisticated way, uh-huh. a little like like Bach using a very simple choral yes. okay. and making a fantastic music out of it okay. with the, with the very very sophisticated harmonies or counterpoint counterpoint. This the same with the, with Charpentier using those very simple melodies. And inventing a very um, rich music.
0: I have this assumption that because it's sophisticated, and because it's French, that there's probably not very much melancholy in it. I think maybe English carols uh, revel in melancholy. Am I, I, I? You can pass judgment, really. It's fine if you want to. But am I am I right about that? I mean, no, I hear melancholy a, a, in 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 English carols that, that because, is really Because heady. you
1: are melancholic of your <laughs> early Christmas yeah, when you so. were a child. <laughs> <laughs> but is there, um,
0: what I suppose I'm asking you is, is there that same sense of melancholy in French carols?
1: No, I wouldn't say so. It's about it's about being happy and, uh, <laughs> and uh, having this uh, this cheerful atmosphere. Uh, but there, there, are, there are very touching moments Especially when when they are uh, evocating uh, the Virgin, so the figure of Mary, of course, is uh, tenderness. So it's
0: not overly romanticized as we do, because we over. Well, the, uh, English carols are overly. Romanticized, yes, but think?
1: probably because because it has. Well, you are you are probably. Uh, mentioning the carols of uh, the 19th century yes. or 20th century in the bleak
0: middle but uh, but
1: uh, of course of course in the 17th century probably they were much different because our relationship to religion was different i suppose i suppose especially in France because because you know before the french revolution there was absolutely absolutely no doubt about the existence of god once the re- revolution happened, and we here in in France, we've destroyed the churches, we've uh, closed churches, we've we've uh, transformed them in I don't know, pomme or some things like that. They were they were just assembly halls, <laughs> and uh, and the finger of God didn't destroy the humanity, or at least French <laughs> French people. So so no reaction from above. So, is there a God? Oh, okay, actually? Okay, right. So the yes. big doubt uh, started. The big doubt: is there a God? And that produces anguish. But before that, no anguish because everybody was convinced God was with us. How does that? How so is that
0: reflected in the music, though? I mean, confidence. Confidence. Oh, I see. Okay. So you
1: have in in the French. Uh, sacred music in the 17th and 18th century a big big confidence the the example is the the Compras requiem it's so so bright and and uh, and uh, and uh, confident it's all in major and beautiful because you trust god will Take you uh, in his arms uh, while, while, when you listen to a romantic mass like uh, I don't know uh, Berlioz or Gounod or those people, it, it's it's full of uh, anguish and uh, and uh, despair. So, so I think I think really the re- revolution changed completely the.
0: The image. And so because we haven't had that revolution... But you had some... Well, yeah, we had all of that coming. stuff with Henry VIII but before I, I'm, I'm, wonder, I'm sort of trying to understand how, that's, how that might be reflected in British music which is that sort of romanticism yes yeah. romanticism and, and, it, and, and the weird thing is that it's, it's kind of nice when you hear it when, when, when the year comes around and you hear those familiar romantic tunes again uh, it's kind of nice and then after about the third week of December you think I never want to hear these again because it's just all getting a bit too much <laughs> as though you've just been drinking sherry for three weeks solidly good
1: excuse. <laughs>
0: um, what else are you up to next year? Tell me about that.
1: Well, I start with a favorite by Donizetti in Houston. Can in Houston, you, can you imagine? In Houston. In Houston. Oh, Houston. Houston, Texas. Right.
0: Okay. I thought you meant Houston, London. No. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Houston, Texas. Right. Uh, What a
0: strange, what an unexpected location. Absolutely,
1: unexpected repertoire for me also. A repertoire uh, very romantic, uh, Donizetti. So you would think there is no link with Lully, but
0: it's still French opera. And uh,
1: and there is a a very natural... uh, Okay. Uh, link between, between the very beginning of the French opera and La Favourite which is written for Paris and which is absolutely the French opera so the, the mechanic of it is very French
0: ok so you're going to Texas where else are you off to next year? Um, I'm getting you to record your diary now. so I will, diary. Be, I will be in
1: Israel uh, conducting Bach I will be in, uh, in Colombia uh, Bogota uh, playing French music, harpsichord, but also uh, with the talent lyric. Uh, uh, and well, the, the opera production will be in, uh, in June with the uh, Coronation et Popea so um, uh, Monteverdi in Théâtre des Champs-Élysées, with um, um, Stephen Langridge making the, 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 the staging. So, so we have very, very nice projects and, and a, a, a beautiful magnificat uh, Bach and Karl philippe Emanuel Bach in uh, Thomaskirche in uh, in Leipzig. So that's a big. How, how far there. do you have
0: to plan in advance?
1: Well, we are planning for 22 now.
0: Oh,
1: wow! Sometimes difficult to to
0: to have the, this. Respected,
1: yes. but some somehow it's uh, it's also comforting. So so it makes you calmer. Uh,
0: and how do you relax between now and coming to London? I'm assuming that you know you have the weekend off. Do you
1: drinking tea and trying to cure my
0: <laughs> No, I think the voice works. It, it certainly works in audio. Um, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to tell me that I haven't asked you?
1: No, I think I think. Uh, People are talking a lot about about uh, the, the 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 audience um, not being renewed for, for classical music. This is a, a, a big concern for everyone in the in the profession. But, um, but I think I think baroque music is not that complicated, and uh, we we often go to schools. And, uh, and see that uh, young people have uh, the right reaction to it. It's very natural. The gesture is very natural. And you liked Lully. Without knowing him, yeah, and uh, I'm sure if you uh, you you perform this choir with the trembling uh, voices, in f- remarkable in yeah, front of yeah. of young people that would love it. Yes, they would yeah. love it. And there is also sure. that last
0: night there was also something about the quality of the voices, and this is something which I suspect I've only really come to understand as I've got older. But Um, there is a texture to a voice, which if it's a particular, you know, it's a bit like the touch of fabric, Mm. uh, or, you know, I have a thing about print, I Mm. love the feel of Mm. print. It's it's exactly the same emotional reaction to the texture of a voice. And my reaction to a voice is going to be different from... (coughs) From somebody else in the audience, and, Surely. So, but and the so there way, is something about the the combination of those textures which can bring about quite yes. a passionate.
1: The text. way you use the voice in this repertoire is very specific because because the text is the important matter. So so uh, uh, what my my concern was to have mostly French speaking singers just to deliver. All the flavor of the, te- the French text, mm. and uh, I'm very happy about it because because it makes a big difference. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, so we don't use the full voice; mm. it's not necessary. You mm. can whisper, just just mm. deliver the, the the beauty of the text without without shouting.
0: And that is and that is not based on any. You know, from my perspective, <coughs> I wouldn't necessarily be able to give you any detail about plot and story. Um, or about individual characters. It's just to do with what I heard. And I, and I kind of think that that's really where music education starts. It's not about necessarily about history or technique or detail. It's just about your response to what is going on in front of you. And that basically is the definition of art.
1: Yes, it's what I would say the most important is to bring emotion with with this specific piece for the concert of yesterday, and uh, it's it what's what's important is just to bring this feeling, uh, so it's it perhaps will change your view on really or the music in general or the voice or I don't know, and is it entertainment perhaps, but it's it's mostly about about yes. Sensibility and, and emotion.
0: You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast available on Spotify and Audio Boom. To get in touch, please tweet at Thoroughly Good. You can also follow Thoroughly Good on Facebook and read the blog at thoroughlygood.me.